0: So Emmanuel, God is with us. John Ortberg said, we are drawn to children and to poets because they notice things that the rest of us have forgotten to see. Did you you get that? We're drawn to children at times and to poets because they notice things that the rest of us have forgotten to see. And there's a lot of things that we forget to see. Why do we see what we see? I mean, psychology 101 says you will only see what you're prepared to see, and you'll only hear what you're prepared to hear, and you usually experience only what you're prepared to experience. But why do we forget to notice so many things around us? And if we're not careful, we can become so consumed with our schedules and our agendas that we fail to recognize and see really what's going on around us. Uh, all of us, it's easy to get there at times. That we get so consumed that we lose focus. And I would ask the question, when is the last time you paused and just noticed a sunrise or a, or a sunset? Being in Arizona all week, I can tell you, the sunrises there are magnificent, and the sunsets are absolutely brilliant as they slip over the mountains there. I'm like, how beautiful is God's creation? Last night, I'm sitting there watching a football game, and it's about 8.30, and my little dude Caleb comes in and he goes, Dad, Dad, come here. And I said, what's up? You've got to come here and see the stars. They're absolutely awesome tonight. And so I go out with Hannah and Caleb, and we're just sitting there, and we're just staring up into the stars. And it's like, look at that star there. It's twinkling. It's almost blinking at us. Is that not cool? Oh, Dad, Hannah says, there, there's one over here that's even brighter than that, and we just got lost in God's canopy of creation. When's the last time you did that? And when's the last time you, you just paused and reflected? on the gift of life that you've got, on the breath in your lungs that God has poured within you, when is the last time you slowed down and just stopped and enjoyed life? Now, check out this thought. And I want to go somewhere here. How many of you have ever seen the books Where's Waldo? Anybody in here? Anybody ever seen Where's Waldo? Waldo was created by a guy by the name of Martin Hanford and Waldo initially was an afterthought Hanford all he wanted to do was draw these big uh, pictures of just crowds Started reading his background a little bit. He came out of a divorced home and he was kind of a an isolated introverted uh, person, but he was fascinated with crowds and Waldo was an afterthought but Forty million copies later, I guess Waldo became the center thought of what he was doing. Hanford said this. He said, he hides Waldo so that children can learn to be aware of what's going on around them. I like them to see wonder in places it might not have occurred to them to look. I'm like, that's fascinating to me. Waldo is so ordinary looking... That he's hard to find. And I started pondering that. Where's Waldo? He's hard to find. He just kind of blends in, right? You see the photos up here? But then I started pondering: could that be true of God? Is God possibly so ordinary looking that we fail to notice him? Do do we get so caught up in our daily routines? that we miss seeing him because he's just ordinary at times? Have you ever wondered why God doesn't give you dreams every night? My charismatic friends and brethren can struggle here because they live from extreme to extreme and mountaintop to mountaintop. God, why don't you give us dreams every night? Why don't you give us rainbows every day? But maybe it's because God wants us to learn to see him in the ordinary and not become dependent on the extraordinary. And so many people that get addicted to the extraordinary miss him in the day to day. It's interesting. If God constantly satisfied our demands to reveal himself in the extraordinary, it would be kind of like a mom who has trained her children only to listen to her when she raises her voice. And I think some people's view of God is he only shows up in the extreme, but God constantly reveals himself in the ordinary. You go back and study scripture, the uh, anointing of David, it was just an ordinary day and an. Ordinary place, just doing an ordinary thing. He was a shepherd boy, and he was out keeping the sheep. And all of a sudden, God shows up and just speaks to him at an ordinary place on an ordinary day. Jesus then calls the disciples, and he does it just in an ordinary way. He goes down to the lake by the pier, and these guys are hanging out. And there was nothing spectacular. I mean, there was not lightning and all this stuff going on. It was just in the ordinary The premise truth is this, God is with us, and this moment right now can be a divine encounter with God. Whatever moment you're in, 24-7-365, can be a divine encounter with God, because Emmanuel, God is with us in the present moment of the now, and my life hinges on the presence of God, not on the spectacular or the extraordinary, but my life hinges on the reality that I'm in the presence of God. And once you begin to experience God in an ordinary moment, in an ordinary place, you start to anticipate the presence of God no matter where you're at. Did you get that? Once you start to experience God in the ordinary moment, Just in an ordinary place, just with ordinary people, and you experience God, you start to anticipate the presence of God no matter where you're at. Psalm 145, verse 18, the scripture says, God is near, and he is listening for all who pray and mean it. God is near through prayer. I I experience the presence of God. God goes, yeah, I'm near." Uh, Psalm 119, 51, you are near, O Lord. All your commands are true. So when I pick up the Word of God, God is near. I'm in the presence of God. I'm in the Word of God. God is spoken. God is near. He says in Psalm thirty four fifteen, the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, and the Lord is near the brokenhearted. Blessed are those who mourn, the brokenhearted. Let them come to me. And so, God is near, but God is here. And wherever you're at, God is always there. Even David would say in that famous Psalm 23, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thou art with me, Emmanuel, and I think we miss the presence of God and the power of God and the perspective of God if we're not careful. Even Jesus said with this great promise, I am with you always. Even to the ends of the age. You're with me? Yes, wherever you're at, I'm with you. When you're driving to the airport, I'm with you. When you're on that plane, I'm with you. When you land, I'm with you. When you get in that rental car, I'm with you. When you're checking into the hotel, I am with you. I am with you, Tim. I will never leave you. I am with you. You are in my presence 24-7. And if I can start to just kind of breathe in that. Even the breath, again, as I reiterate, is a constant reminder of the presence of God. And some of us would be wise to stop the hurry. Inhale. Exhale. God is with me. God is with me. I I choose to clear my mind of everything else that's going on, and I choose to embrace the reality that that God is with me. I started thinking that God has stamped His his signature in nature. Again, I'm flying out and I'm looking over New Mexico at those mountains down below and some are already covered with snow. And I'm like, you have stamped your signature in nature. He's left his fingerprints of places that he's been. God has revealed himself and scattered himself all over the earth. Again, he's crying out to me in those snow covered mountains. He's he's dancing in the sunlight that sparkles across the ocean's waves. And I'm like, he is here. He's blowing in the leaves on an autumn day. I'm with you. And I think oftentimes we miss experiencing the presence of God because we don't pause to look at where God is. He's in the DNA. He's in the uniqueness of every one of us. And so, when I contemplate the sovereignty of God, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. So, when I look at you ladies, I can look and say, I'm in the presence of God with the creation of God. God is here. When I hold my baby for the first time, and little Rachel comes into the world, and I look at her, I'm like, God is here. He's here. I'm in the presence of God. And God wants us to experience Emmanuel 24 7. But the question has to be posed why do we miss God and why do we not see God? I like what Dallas Willard said. He said, You will not see God if you do not seek God. And I'm reading this from Willard thinking, Yes. I will not see God if I do not seek God. God chases me. I respond to the pursuit of God. But God is saying, you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Seek me. Chase after my heart. I'm pursuing you. I want you to know me. I want you to get me. I want you to experience my love and my grace and my mercy. Seeking the Lord leads to an, an awareness of the Lord. Seeking the Lord means to turn my mind to, to set my affection and and attention on. That's the reason David would say, I lift up my eyes to the hills. That's where my strength comes from. You're my refuge. You're my hiding place. You're where I run. I look for you. Yes, I look for you. Isaiah 26, 3 says, I will keep him in perfect peace who trusts me, whose mind stays Fixed on me. You'll keep him in perfect peace? Yes. Not perfect circumstances and not perfect environments per se. You're going to go through hell at times. There are going to be bumpiness and turbulence at times. But I will keep you in perfect peace if you, if you trust me and you keep your minds fixed on me. So here's a great premise statement. Spiritual growth is simply increasing our capacity to experience the presence of God. Spiritual growth happens when we increase our capacity to experience the presence of God. So, yes, I'm confessing sin quickly, and I'm making sure that nothing's weighing me down, and I'm fixing my eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of my faith, and I'm laying aside every weight and sin that would so easily entangle me, but but when I start to increase my capacity to experience the presence of God, all of a sudden I start to become more aware, no matter where I'm at and who I'm with and what I'm doing, Emmanuel, God is with me. And you have to want God. And you have to want to see God. And you have to want to experience God. Even Jeremiah would say, if you're going to boast, boast that you know me and you understand me but you've got to want that. And I started thinking, it's kind of hard to uh, attend a party that you were not invited to, right? I mean, here little Amanda is up here, and she goes uh, to Barb, we're having a revealing party. I'm like, revealing? And this is a new thing, I guess, because Hallmark is wanting to sell more balloons and cards. But so we show up over there, Jeremy, and there's going to be this revealing party. And they don't know what they're going to have. They've got two little girls, and she's pregnant with a third one. And and, and they're going to open this box of balloons. And if it's a pink one or a blue one, whatever, it's going to be the revealing. Right? I mean, we were invited to this party. And I'm like... That's cool. They invited us to be a part of this celebration for them. But I started thinking it's hard to go to a party that you're not invited to. If you're not invited and you just kind of show up as the old wedding crasher, I I don't want to do that. And I believe God functions the same way with us. He wants you to invite him to your party every day. And when I invite him, God, I want you to come to my party today. And you get up in the morning and you go. I want you to come to my party. I want you to be a part of my life. I want I want you to, with me. I, I want to know. I, I, I want to know God that I've invited you to be a part of everything I'm doing. He goes. I, I like showing up at your party when you invite me, but oftentimes you want to do your life without me. And how's that working? It's causing you to run the mask and multiple. Fig leaves to cover up, and you want to do it your own way, and I want to be a part of your day. Now, I'm studying this the other day, and I found this interesting. Psychologists who deal with the study of perception use a term called habituation. This was new for me. I'm, I'm studying this going, huh, the study of perception, they've they, they defined this term as habituation. The idea is when a new object or a new stimulus is first introduced into our, um, our environment, we're totally aware of it. But over a period of time, it begins to fade and we don't even recognize it. it for an example, it, it would be like, you don't know, want to have not wore a watch in years. I've always just kind of leaned on my phone. I look at the clock there, but I'm going to get a watch. I want to start wearing a watch because it'll tell me how long I've slept and how many steps I'm taking and it'll count my calories. And I'm going to start wearing a watch again. And when you first start wearing a watch, when you haven't wore a watch in a long time, you realize it's there. It's like, the object or stimulus is there. When we first got married, I'd never wore a ring before. I didn't need a ring before. And we get married, I've got this ring on, and I'm, I'm always just spinning that ring and messing with that ring. And I'm like, it's a new object. It's a new stimulus. But if we're not careful, after a period of time, habituation sets in, and I don't even realize it's there. And reality is, that can be true spiritually. Uh, We get saved. We respond to the gospel, and and I've got to be in fellowship, and I want to hang with others, and I want to listen to the Word, and I want to be engaged in worship, and I want to pray, and I want to be around others who are talking about the things of God. And man, it's so new. It's so fresh. I'm so excited. But then after a period of time, habituation, spiritual habituation sets in and we we start to grow stagnant and we get still and the freshness of walking with God and getting in the word and desiring God in worship and prayer, it starts to fade. And it's so easy for each and every person in this room when it comes to dealing with Emmanuel, the presence of God, it's so easy for all of us to start to drift and we get in this spiritual maintenance mode. And, and it's just like we're just maintaining. We, we think we're just cruising. And we rationalize it because we think, well, I'm not involved in any major sin. I'm not committing adultery. And I'm not shooting dope. And and, and we, if we're not careful, we drift. We, we're not intimate. We're not on fire. We get in this spiritual maintenance mode and we're going, but, but uh, I'm... I haven't really done anything that would cause me to lose my salvation. I mean, I'm okay. Jesus said that in John, right? I've come that you might be okay. No, he said I've come that you might have life, daily, abundant, full life. But we get into this spiritual maintenance mode and we find ourselves almost on autopilot and there's no Rivers of living water of energy and joy and love and grace. And before we know it, we're consumed and we drift thinking about our job or how much money or we start to become jealous because somebody's got more than we've got or they look better than we look. And we start to attack others because we're not going to deal with ourselves and we'll judge and, and there's no life there. Come on. Anybody ever been there? And spiritual habituation can really be more dangerous than spiritual depravity. Spiritual depravity is you're lost. You don't know any better. But spiritual habituation is I do know better and I'm choosing not to do anything about it. I'm I'm staying in maintenance mode. And and, and God's not alive, and it's stale, and it's stagnant, and it's bad. And Jesus said in Revelation 2, as he talks to the seven churches there, he says, tell the church at Ephesus that I've got this against them. Tell them that they've left their first love. They didn't lose it. They left it. Tell the church over at Ephesus that they've left their first love. They've got some performance things they're doing. They're, They're playing the external look at me game, but they've left their first love. They began to notice other things, notice other things, and they started to empower those other things as being more valuable than me They've left their first love. And and again, don't lose me here. But coming to faith in Christ initially, I've got to read the Bible. I don't have to, but I've got to in my soul. I I want to know everything that God says. I've got to listen to to worship music. I've got to feed my soul. I've got to be around others. I I can't let that become a missing part of my life. I, I I. I grow from it. I benefit from it. And it's so easy to drift. Well, I'm going to a ball game today. And we're going to the beach today. And we're going fishing. And I'm not saying they're bad things. It's not like we're selling our bodies down on Stewart Avenue. But we're leaving our first love. You left it. Where is it? My my friend Amy this is great. About six or seven weeks ago, I get a text early one Monday morning. She says, you know, every morning I get up and I, I spend time in the Word and in prayer. And Tim, my Bible that I've used for these last 15, 20 years, whatever, I left it at the church. She didn't lose it. She says, I, I, I left it. I, I left it, and I, I love that Bible. I, I, I've used that Bible for years. I said, let me go and open up the worship center, and sure enough, right there where she's sitting right now, the Bible was laying there. She didn't lose it. She just left it, and a lot of people think they have lost their salvation. You didn't lose it. You just left it. You just walked away from it. You stopped engaging with it. I've got a place at home when I get home today, I'll take my wallet, and I'll put it in a certain spot, and I'll take my keys, and I know where I leave my wallet and keys. And if, if I don't have a system, Joe, I, I won't know where to look. <laughs> but, but where did you leave it? And I've done that at times. I can't find my iPad. Where did I leave it? I didn't lose it. Oh, you were working out this morning, and You came out real quick, and you did this and that, and you left it by the elliptical. I left it there. When it comes to embracing the presence of God and enjoying the presence of God, what are you allowing to compete against that? And is there anything going on in your world right now where you go, I've left it? Something else became more valuable. When we study the scripture and we contemplate the sovereignty of God, the Bible is not about man's desire to be with God. The Bible is about God's desire to be with us. And he's wanting us to know, I want want to hang with you. I want to be with you. I want to walk 24-7 no matter where you're at. So God is always present and desires to be active in my life, whether I see him Feel him or not. Now let me give you some closing thoughts. Some fundamental truths. And I think it's in your bulletin here. Recognizing and experiencing God's presence is a learned behavior. Recognizing and experiencing the presence of God is a learned behavior. Brother Lawrence, Catholic dude. Hundreds of years ago, when he wrote that little book, practicing his presence, practicing the presence of God, he says, I started realizing, and it took him a while, like weeks and months to to kind of get this one down. But he goes, when I cook, I'm practicing the presence of God. I'm doing it for an audience of one. When I wash the dishes and clean, I'm, I'm doing it for an audience of one. I... I have to learn to practice the presence of God so I can look at you and go, you're God's creation. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. You're beautiful. And God calls you, you're a saint because you've responded to the gospel. So I can look at you and go, I'm talking to Saint Josh. Hello, Saint Josh. And I can look at you and go, you're beautiful. God made you. But I can practice his presence in a conversation. And I can practice his presence going down the road. And I can practice his presence when I'm eating. And I can practice his presence no matter where I'm at. It's a learned behavior and you have to learn to cultivate it. To stop and go, I'm in the presence of God. You are with me. Second thought would be this. My assignment is to meet God in this moment. And when you start to declare, Lord, Thank you that you are with me. No matter where I walk, thou art with me. You start to declare the presence of God in your life. You start to declare that God is with you. You make that declaration no matter what's going on. You can be in a funeral home, you can be in a hospital, you can be at a comedy club. I don't care where you're at, it can be laughter, it can be sorrow. And everything in between. But you can stop and say, I declare that the Lord is with me. And I embrace the promise that you're here, you're near, and you'll never leave me. You can do that. And it's a learned behavior. Third one would be this. I realize that I will always be tempted to live outside of the moment that I'm in right now. If we're not careful, all of us can start to land in a place other than the moment of the now. We start to get attached to things down the road. Whether it's later in the day or later in the week or later in the month. And when I do, when I get out of the moment of the now, I start to lose the sense of God's presence with me right now. God goes, I want you to know that I'm providing manna for you right now. And if I start to anticipate and calculate where I'm going next week and next month and next year, and God goes, you're not trusting my presence in My power right now. So I have to tap the brakes on that. All of us can do this to say, I don't want to get out of the presence of the now. Here's another one. Sometimes God seems far away for reasons I do not understand. If you've ever walked with God for a period of time, you're going to go through times where you feel like the the fire hydrant is open. And then sometimes you're going to feel like it's a leaky faucet just barely dripping But when I'm there, I have to realize that God's called me to live by faith and not by feelings, and he's called me to live by faith and not by sight, and I have to stop and go, you're with me. It may be dry right now, but you're with me. Here's another one. Whenever I fail, I can always start again right now because of his amazing grace. When I fail, he has that Turned his back on me. Remember, I'm with you right in the middle of your junk right now, totally involved, working with you on this stuff. Yeah, you jacked it up, but I'm not going to write you off. And a lot of us, when we fail, we beat ourselves up so much that we feel like it's almost our divine punishment that we're supposed to eliminate ourselves from walking in the game for a few days, a few weeks, and a few months. And God goes, stop it. Stop it. You've jacked it up. Yes, I won't be the last time, but my grace is strong. Here's another one. My desire for God has peaks and valleys. His desire for me is constant. I just don't feel like it. We use that word a lot, and God goes, I'm here. I'm pursuing. I'm chasing your heart. I love you. I am Emmanuel. Reach out and just embrace me. We may go through peaks and valleys, but when I rest in the reality, he's pursuing me constantly. Here's another one for me. Every thought I have either moves me a little further away or a little closer to God. Every thought. So that's the reason it's so important to redeem your thinking to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. To be able to think about pure, right, holy, lovely, excellent, praiseworthy things. Not to be conformed to this world, but, but to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. Every thought you have, your thoughts are guarantors of what the day is going to look like and what the moment is going to look like and what your life is going to look like. And stinking thinking has to be confronted. Yes, I want to think theologically and not just logically. Here's another one. Every aspect of my life, whether it's work, whether it's relationship, marriage, parenting, hobbies, every area of my life is of genuine interest to my God. I care about what you're doing. I care about where you work. I care about what you're doing today. You do. And a lot of times it's almost like we feel like, well, I'll pray for them because they're going through deep cancer right now, and they don't know if this person's going to make it, but I've just got to take this test in math. Are you serious? It's almost like we feel like we can run to God only when our prayer or issue that we're dealing with is extreme, and God goes, stop it. I care about what you're doing. I care about what you're going to purchase. pray and seek my will and seek my face. I care about everything. Here's the last one. My path to experiencing God's presence will not look like everyone else's. I want to break this down in a few weeks that I find it very fascinating. But we're all wired differently. Every person in this room is unique. You're different. And our pathway of experiencing God is different. Some of us are more intellectual. Some of us, we love nature. Some of us love uh, to be the activist and fighting a cause inside of us, we're all wired differently. So your path of really experiencing God and, and appreciating God and understanding God is going to be different. I, I'm not into literature. Brandy, my friend, has got a PhD. in Shakespeare and literature. And I look and I 'm like, but that's part of her pathway. She connects with God so beautifully there. And I remember when she would first start, that reminds me of Shakespeare. And I'm like, oh God. (laughs) But for Brandy, it was like, oh God, yes. (laughs) And some of you, I can start using sports analogies and I'm like, yes, this makes so much sense. And you're going, really? (laughs) I know Melanie, you're gonna catch up. But have you ever been there? And if we're not careful, we start to should on other people. We start to tell them, this is how you should be doing life because this is the way I connect with God. I mean, the person like my buddy Lon, who is such a great philosopher and contemplator. Lon could sit there for three hours and write all these great thoughts in a journal. You try to get a person who's relational to sit there for three hours with a journal? Are you kidding me? Right? I mean, Barb, perfect day for me. It's just, y'all be gone, no music, no phone. I'm gonna sit there with a book and I'm gonna read, and I'm like, what a boring life. <laughs> but that's her pathway we're going to go to this party and we're going to do this and we're going to have fun and I'm telling you what's going to happen and then we're we're, we're going to go play golf a little bit and then, are you serious? You're going to be around people all day. I don't want to be around people all day. I don't even want to be around people most days. (laughs) And we're so different, but how we connect with God, that's the reason it's so important to know. It's unique. Where do I practice His presence best? Where do I sense the The agape of the father, the best. I'm a touch person. I'm a word person. If you see me, what's up? I want to hug you. What's happening? High five you. Some people are going to send gifts, but they don't use words and touch. And I'm like, I don't do gifts. I can care less about gifts. I want to talk. How you doing? One of the biggest fights we ever got into right after we got married, we're driving to Toronto. And I thought, this is going to be great. We got eight hours from Northern Indiana. And she's just kind of chilling, reading, looking out the window, and I want to talk, and she don't want to talk, and I'm trying to force her to talk, and she's like, and I make her mad. She made me mad, because I wanted to talk, and she wanted to read, and she wanted to, but we're so different. Who was right and who was wrong? I was. No, there's no right and wrong. But if we're not careful, do you hear me? So here's, here it is. God is with us. Let us not become weary in doing good. Let us not become stale and stagnant. You will see God if you seek God. Prayer, worship, fellowship, community, be an activist, whatever. We're going to get into this in a few weeks, but I mean, what is it? In a world that offers the next big thing every day, in a world that offers the next big thing every day, It's easy to lose that sense of wonder and awe because we start to buy into the commercials of our culture and God is going, stop it. Before long, I've heard it all. I've seen it all. I know. From the moment you wake up until the moment your head hits that pillow, you're in the presence of God. Emmanuel wants you to walk with him, worship him, and experience his goodness. It's time to refocus and get back to our first love. I pray that today's word encouraged you. And thanks for joining us uh, on this uh, broadcast today. If we can help you in your walk with Christ in any way, feel free to contact us here at the Cross Loganville. Our email, info at thecrossloganville.org, or you can call us 770-554-3322. God bless you, and I pray that you have just an incredible day.